My goodness, I'm so excited to be here today. And uh, man, I'm, I just know that God is, is doing something special in your lives. Amen. You're not here by an accident. You're here because God designed your life for you to be here. Amen. You're not here by accident. You are here for such a time as this. And God has something just for you this weekend. Amen. And you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't end with the end of the conference. God is that good. Right, I want to, can I pray for you before we start? Is that all right? Father God, I just want to thank you. I know we've, we've given you praise, Lord, but you're worthy. I'm sure you're not getting tired of our praise, Lord. I just thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, Lord, that you are here, that your presence is in us today, and it's through us today. And Lord, we just ask that you open our hearts and our minds to receive the word that you would have us receive that it would go into our heart, and Holy Spirit, you'd help that word become a raiment, not just in our head, not just another conference that we attend, but Lord, that it becomes to take root on the inside of us, that it gets down into our soul, that it starts to infect the rest of our life, that as we go from here, Lord, let it be a pivotal moment in our life. Then let's look back on this time and think, I remember when God spoke to me, When God changed my heart, when he spoke something into me that changed the trajectory of my life, Lord, let this be a defining weekend. Let this be a defining moment. We want to hear your voice this weekend. We want to hear you through your word. We want to hear you through the the spirit, through the worship, Lord. We want to receive from you everything that you have for us this weekend. We do not want to leave here with something still on the table. Amen. We want, we want it all. We want everything. So we believe and we receive in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. All right. When Chipo invited me, now when was it when you invited me up here? I can't remember now. Months ago. Was it May? It was a while ago. And um, I was so excited because at the beginning of this year, back in January, we was at a conference, my husband and I, and um, I'm not really a very girly girl, Right? <laughs> Okay, and I'm really not. You can ask my husband. I'm way more practical. Honestly, I think he has the women's brain. Okay, I'm very logical. So, you know, I'm not particularly emotional. I'm just, you know, I I just tend to think through things logically. And if God said, then we're just going to do it, right? But my husband, he's he's more the emotional. He's the one that cries at movies. He's, he's, He's gone now, look. See, he's run away. He's the designated crier in our family, okay? And all of the women's conferences that I've ever been to have involved lots of tissues, lots of Kleenex, lots of crying. And I'm like, I just don't know that I'm really cut out for that. I don't want people to be disappointed, right? When they see me, you know, they think, well, she's... And one thing people often say to me, which really fascinates me, is, you're much smaller in real life. um, Don't worry, I'm not offended. I've always been this size, right? For a long time now. I'm not going to be offended. It's not new to me. I just think things grow to perfection and I reach there quicker. (laughs) But not not being really girly, I kind of didn't really get too involved. I love women. I've been been a speaker at, at, at women's conferences before. But in January, God really put a passion on the inside of me to minister to women. And there's a difference between speaking to women and ministering to women. You understand that? And in January, he said to me, I'm going to give you, I want you to minister to women, but not as you have seen other people minister to women. Okay? Because I'm not into the fluffy flowers and everything that goes with it. Okay? I like flowers. I like to dress nice. I'm not saying I'm not feminine, 
but I'm not girly in the sense of the word girly. Do you understand that? Because for so long, what I've hated about women's ministry is it's weak and it's pathetic, okay? And we are not weak and we are not pathetic. We are mighty women of faith and power, amen? You know, we need to stand up and take our place in society. We are there as a help meet to, to, to our husbands, right? But that does not mean that we are not equal. We are not inferior. Amen? And so when God put a a passion in my heart to minister to women, he says, I want you to minister what you've got. You know, I can only give what I have received. Amen? And so when I started thinking about this, and and Chipa said, well, the theme is diamonds and pearls. I'm like, I don't think I've got any diamonds or pearls, you know? I've got a few little diamonds in this one, I think. Right? I'm not sure. Maybe I need to go shopping. Where's my husband? I need to go shopping. Right? (laughs) Amen? But I started to think about the theme of the conference being diamonds and pearls. And I remembered back to my high school science class. I know it doesn't naturally come to mind, right? I told you I'm logical. I was a nurse, okay? So I started to think about this. And I started to think about the science behind how diamonds and pearls are created. You know, you know, these are the, some of the most precious um, gems that we have in the world today. But God created them. You understand that? The most beautiful things, the most highly valuable things that we have in the world today are all a part of God's creation. And in the world, they've tried to make imitation pearls, right? And they've tried to make imitation diamonds. They've tried to make fakes, copies of the real thing. But they're never quite as beautiful, they're never quite as precious, and they're certainly not as valuable as a genuine article. But, you know, there is something unique. Well, first of all, diamonds. Think about diamonds for a moment. Diamonds are, the, are made from the same biological substance that pencil lead is made from. Did you know that? You give a diamond. Would you rather have a diamond or a pencil? Diamond, right? A diamond, please. Chico didn't have to fast and pray about that. She was, like, right on it, okay? She's there. She knows. She doesn't want to hang pencils around her neck. Okay, she wants to have diamonds, amen? They sparkle, they're pretty. But they're made from the same biological substance. The only difference is the bonds that they have. You see, in the lead in a pencil, the bonds between the the molecules in a pencil are this way. They're horizontal. They connect to each other sideways. And so when you stroke the pencil on the paper, layers of that carbon will come off. Make sense? But now the, the difference between how a diamond is made is it's the same substance, but it's put under immense pressure. It's put under immense pressure in the depths of the earth, under heat, under pressure. And it undergoes, in that, in that, in that process, it undergoes a huge change that transforms it from something normal and everyday and kind of boring, right, to something amazing. It turns it into a diamond. Because the change, the pressure, creates inside of it not horizontal bonds, but vertical bonds. And it's the vertical bonds inside that diamond which set it apart from a simple pencil lead, which make it the strongest substance on the earth today. You understand that? The only thing that can cut a diamond is another diamond. In the scripture, it says, iron sharpens iron. That's why we're here this weekend, right? Because we get together, women of faith and power, and we start to rub on each other. We start to rub off on each other, and we become sharp, we become honed, we can become built up in everything that God has put on the inside of us. Amen? Now, some of you have been through challenges. You've been, you feel like that diamond, maybe. Or maybe you just feel like the pencil lead. 
right, right to start with. You know, that you're still going through that change. You're still going through that metamorphosis. And I want to let you know that it's not God, by the way, that brings the pressure. This is a lie. Let's just crush that right now. It's not God that brings the storms in life. It's not God that brings bad things against us to teach us something. You know, which one of you have children in here? Who's a parent in here today? Or a grandparent in here today, right? How many of you, having the power to heal, would say to your children, I'm going to put a cancer on you to teach you something? That would be crazy, wouldn't it? If you, if you put something like that on your child to teach them something, or if you, with, if you had the power to heal them and you withheld it from them knowing that you have the cure, you would be accused of child abuse. Yeah. But yet we sometimes relate to God that way, don't we? Yeah. And we start thinking, or maybe we're brought into religion, that all of these things that happen in life, these bad stuff, you know, we're just part of living in the world. These pressures, just like this diamond, somehow God is putting these on us to make us something beautiful. There's a song out there at the moment. I don't know if you've heard. I don't even know who the artist is. But it says, God is making diamonds out of me. Well, I kind of like the idea of that, but I know the heart behind the words. The, 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 the writer, when they were writing that, was, was, was trying to convey that the storms in life, God is somehow bringing them in order to make something precious out of us. You know, if we really believe that, we will never walk in our identity and our authority. We will never have the correct attitude of the kingdom that God has put on the inside of us. God is not here today trying to pressure us and create something in us. You know what? We are already created in his image. Amen? He has already done all of the creating that he's ever going to need to do. When he looks at you, he sees perfection. 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 Amen? That's who he has created you to you to be. Now, when you think about a pearl, you know, a pearl is created with this little oyster thing, this little mollusk thing, and they look really ugly on the outside. Have you ever eaten oysters? Ew. I mean, (laughs) you like them? I've never actually gotten myself past the look of them, okay? So they may be tasty, but I'm sorry. I just, no, makes me want to gag, okay? But, you know, a pearl to be created inside one of those oysters, it starts with an irritation. It starts with a particle, whether it's a piece of sand or whether it's, thank you very much, whether it's um, a a piece of shell, something that gets inside the creature and and it starts to irritate, gets under its skin. Anyone ever had any something get under your skin, right? Something that just rubs you up the wrong way? Well, watch it because there may be a pearl forming there. Okay, this is what happens. The, 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 little, the little particle gets in the, into that shell there, and as a, as a measure of defense, the creature itself, the mollusk, it actually starts to form a little sac around that irritant as a protective layer. And layer upon layer, it starts to build what we see to be the pearl. But it started out as a protection device for the to stop that, the sea creature, to stop that irritant from, from overwhelming it. It's, 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 an, it's an autoimmune response that, that starts like that, and then out of it come, out of that irritation comes this precious gem. You know, in life, we go through storms, we go through tribulation. Actually, there's a scripture that you can stand on for that. Jesus says, in this world, we will have tribulation. That's not really one that you find in a, in a, in a, sto- in a shop on a magnet. Right? That's not really one of those scriptures that people want to put on a hat or, or, or you know, you have these amazing t-shirts for designer life, right? In this world, we will have tribulation. <laughs> Troubles here. Right? I mean, <laughs> some of 
of you, some of you have a double portion of that, I'm just saying, okay? But Jesus, at the end of that scripture, Jesus said, cheer up, because I've already overcome the world. You see, if we just get stuck in that point of, of trouble and tribulation, and we don't read the end of the scripture, that's depressing, right? But I love what Chifo was saying last night. She started talking about identity, and this is where I want to pick up today, because when we start to understand our real identity, who we have called to be in Christ Jesus, who we have on the inside of us, power that dwells on the inside of us in the person of Jesus, no matter what storm of life may come against us, no matter what pressure, no matter what offense, no matter what irritation gets under our skin, we can start to respond differently. You understand? It doesn't mean that challenges won't come, but it means that we're going to change how we respond to those challenges. Amen? So let's look at something right here. Because there is an attitude in the kingdom. Some of these scriptures for, for my ease I've actually printed out. But um, I, have to show you, I have to show you this. This Bible, by the way, I carry this everywhere because I love it. My husband got me this Bible for Christmas. And um, I thought at first it sat on my desk at home. And it's, it's like a six-pound worth of the Word of God. You've got to be seriously committed to travel 32 hours with one of these things. Okay? I mean, I think we could use these for self-defense, actually. That they're really, you know, if somebody's really hard-headed past a tafari, not getting the word, you bash them with it. Okay? When you say, I'm just standing on the Word of God, this gives you a great platform to stand on. Right? But I love this Bible. But I have to, I've actually resorted to having a little suitcase to carry it in. Because it's just too heavy and it won't fit in my in my bag. <laughs> anyway, I love it. But, but the, I want to read this scripture. You know, in, in the kingdom, there is an attitude. When you read all the way through this book, it, it is the story of people that were disciples. They were like, duh. Okay. I mean, seriously, I wouldn't have picked the people in this book. I mean, good job I'm not God. Because I would not have picked those people to be my disciples. I mean, some of them were just like, Really? Not the sharpest tools in the drawer, okay? And, and it's full, this, this book is full of people who made mistakes, who didn't do things perfectly, who didn't have it, all their doctrine in the right place, who didn't always believe perfectly, who didn't speak perfectly. I mean, you just look at the life of King David. He had an affair, and then he murdered the woman's husband to cover it up, right? I mean, it's full of people. Moses, we're going to get to him in a minute. He murdered somebody, right? He's full of murderers, actually, God, I mean, seriously, if you haven't murdered anyone, you know what, you're actually pretty good, you mean, compared to some of the people in this book. I mean, I'm not giving you an excuse or anything, don't go doing that, it wouldn't be good for you, okay? But it's full of people that made mistakes, but that came out victorious, amen? And, and, and the thing is that set them apart was their attitude. I'm not talking about, like, mm, attitude, right? Some of us have a attitude, okay? I'm not talking about that kind of attitude. And girls, come on now. We know it, right? We know it. We might be like smiling to our husband on the outside, but on the inside we're like, that man got gay. <laughs> I know. I know how a girl's girlfriend, right? But the attitude that I'm talking about that, that led these people in this book to success was the attitude of the kingdom. It's an attitude of faith and it's an attitude of favor. And it comes and it starts from understanding our identity in Christ. Our proper place as daughters, as sons of the Most High God. Amen? And so, you know, if we, if we don't understand that first and foremost, we'll have an attitude of the world because we'll be just like, Oh, poor me. I, I know what? I grew up on the wrong side of town. I was born in the wrong country. I got the wrong color skin. I just don't have the right amount of money. I didn't have the right education. 
And you know what? While all of those things might be true, that kind of mentality hurts us. You understand that? Everybody in life has challenges. Everybody. And if all we do is compare our challenges to somebody else's challenges, and then in our own estimation we think, well, we're just worse off. What do you want? Like a badge of of honor for a, a pity party? I mean, there's no winners with that thinking, right? But when we start looking beyond our little me, and when we start looking, because you know, we aren't, we aren't just natural. We are supernaturally. You understand that? In the scriptures it says, God will say, I will never leave you or forsake you. That doesn't mean sometimes when you wake up in the morning, he's not with you. Or he's only with you when you have a good attitude. Or he's only with you when you act perfectly or you read your Bible or when you go to church. No, God says, I am always with you. It doesn't matter if you're ugly. It doesn't matter if you're mean. It doesn't matter if you're nasty. If, you, if, you, if you've been living an ungodly life, if you've made mistakes, God cannot stop loving you. You understand that? It is inescapable. His love is inescapable. He loves you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Amen? When we start to focus on every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, you know what happens? Our faith becomes alive. Philemon, verse 6, is my favorite scripture. It says that your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. When all we do is have an attitude of poor me, pity me, things aren't going right, and start looking at everything that's wrong in our life, we start to get depressed. Anyone ever done that? Right? You have your own little pity party. And, if it, and, it, and, you know, it's even better if there's an audience and you can drag other people into it. Right? Find some other people to agree with you. Phone a friend. Oh, yes, that really is a bad situation. <laughs> My goodness. No one needs friends like that. They're called Job's friends. You need friends around you, like friends you're going to make in this conference this weekend. They're going to say, you know, this situation that's going on in your life, the enemy may have risen up against you, but you know what? What's in you is greater than what's in the world. Amen. And I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to believe with you. And we're going to speak the word of God into your life, into your situation. And the word of God is going to make a change. Amen. They're the kind of friends that you want hanging around. Let's kingdom attitude that we're talking about here. First uh, John 4 verse 4. I'm going to read these out of the New King James. But it says, you are of God, little children, and have, o- and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, when we start to focus on the power of the kingdom that lives on the inside of us, man, I tell you, I pity the devil. I'm like, he needs to go pick on someone else. He doesn't want to meet me on a dark night, right? I mean, don't be deceived by the five-foot-tall stature here, okay? Because I know what I've got on the inside of me. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Or what about this one? First John 5, verse 4 and 5, it says, For whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Who in here today is born of God? Amen? Then turn to your neighbor and say, you're a world overcomer. No, some of you were not convinced. Say it again. You are a world overcomer. Amen? You know, it doesn't matter if we feel like it or not. You understand that? If we we stop living in the realm of our feelings and how we feel about the word of God, the word of God's going to work for us. So it says, you are a world overcomer. And this is the victory. Who wants some victory in their life today? Right? you got some challenges. You know what? you got the victory. Amen? It says it right here. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. 
Who is he who overcomes the world? This is you. Get ready. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who in here believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Right, then you have the victory. We don't have to beg God for it. We don't even have to ask his opinion. He's already said it, right? It doesn't matter what situation comes against us. We still have the victory. But it's the victory over our situations, over in our life, in every area of our life, it begins with here. It begins by taking this, this word of God and, and, and standing on these promises until they become more real to us than how we feel about it. Because when we really believe it, we're going to start to speak it, right? And I know Pastor Chico has a whole book about that. Amen? Here's the thing. I had a challenge come against me one time. I was 18 years old and I had epilepsy and I had so many seizures. Oh, look, I've even got a glass. There we go. Let it flow, right? Jesus. I had had so many seizures that I had brain damage. And you know what? That's not a good diagnosis to have. And I had brain damage, and, and I, basically my, the seizures of the epilepsy had fried my brain. And, and so the, the messages in my brain were not getting down to my legs. They were not getting down to where they wanted to be. So I had some paralysis from the waist down. And now, 18 years old, being in a wheelchair, that's not um, something that um, really fills you with much hope, right? I was born again. I was born again into my, my, my parents' Baptist church. And I'd been born again about a year at that point. So I was a new believer. And I didn't understand about the Holy Spirit. I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the power. I didn't, have a, I, I didn't flow in any gifts. In fact, we didn't see any spiritual gifts in my church because we didn't believe for them. This is really important. Sometimes we don't see the power of God operating in our life because we're not believing for it. You understand? We, we can only receive what we will be prepared to believe and what we will be prepared to speak. And so because we didn't see it, that just kind of made us understand, well, I guess that's just not for us today. That's a lie. We've been sold a lie. But I want to tell you something. As a year-old believer, there was something in me, and that was a love for the Word of God. The Word of God, to me, God showed me that this book, this isn't just a book. This is like a whole compilation of love letters written from the Father to me. He's written to you too, but you know what? It was written to me first because I'm his favorite. Okay? Right? And so I love to read the word. I love to write out the scripture. I like to, to put it on sticky notes and put it all, ar- all around my room. And so when this, when this diagnosis came, even though I was not in a church that believed for healing, even though I was not surrounded by people that, 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 that really um, saw any of the manifestations of God's power in the world today, there was something on the inside of me when that report came from the doctor, we don't know if you're ever going to walk again, that, that stood up on the inside, and it said no. And it didn't just say, no, I don't think so. It said, no! Yeah. You understand? Yeah. When that report came against me, there was something on the inside that said, oh, oh no, I don't think so, Mr. Devil. You've messed with the wrong guy. Right? You've messed with the wrong girl. And I hear what you're saying, doctors. I know what the x-rays say. I know what the brain scan says. I know what the doctor's report says. But you see, I have another report. I have another report. Amen? And you know what? It's higher than your report. Amen? It's higher than your report. And even though, like that diamond, I was under pressure. I was under pressure. You know what got me through that made me strong was I had the bond this way. 
Amen. I had a bond between me and my Holy Father, and I knew enough. And now, I didn't know a lot of the Word, but what I knew was enough to get me through. Amen. You only need a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. It's potent stuff, right? And so on the inside of me, I'm like, Lord, I know that this is not part of my identity. I know that I'm not supposed to be in a wheelchair. You know what? For a start, it goes with none of my outfits. Right? Not cool. Okay? I'm not going to be doing this. Nuh-uh. Right? And so as I'm, sta- I'm sitting there in the wheelchair, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm seeing, you know, Jesus has a healing ministry. You've noticed that? Sometimes we get sold a lie, and then you read the Bible, it's like, well, there's lots of it in here. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but my Bible's full of healing. It's like... It's like everywhere, every other page in the New Testament. It's like Jesus was addicted to it or something, okay? And so I'm thinking, man, the Word of God still works. He says, I, Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that this wheelchair is not part of God's plan. It's not part of me. It might be something that's happening, but it is not defined me. Amen? And when we can get that down on the inside of us, when we can look back at our past, and I've been, I mean, I don't have time this morning. I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. I've been through some stuff, right? This is not the finished article, okay? This is a work in progress still, right? <laughs> there was definitely cracks in my foundations. I was a mess, okay? But you know, when I had enough of the word of God on the inside of me to know that God loved me. And because God loved me, because I was a daughter of the Most High God, this was not from Him. This wheelchair was not from Him. And that's really important because you know what? We will not resist something that we have first embraced. If you believe a situation has come against you and God is the author of it, you can't resist that. You can't stand against that. In fact, you might as well swing open the doors and invite the enemy in. You know, we read a scripture last night, John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus, he comes to give life and life more abundantly. Man, how many of you want to live an abundant life, right? So stop settling for just life. Seriously? He didn't just come to give us an abundant life. He came to give us more than an abundant life, more abundantly. Amen? Super, yeah, word abundantly. It means super abundant, excessive, way above and beyond what you can ever ask, imagine, or think. A life that's full of vitality, that's full of health, that's full of prosperity in every area, in every sense. A life that's full of victory. And when we understand that, we understand that the victory's not outside, the victory's on the inside. You know, we'll stop looking at the outside to see whether we have the victory or not. We'll start looking inside and thinking, I have the victory in me in Jesus. That means I'm going to start speaking my victory. I'm going to start letting my victory come out. I'm going to start getting an attitude of the kingdom, right? right. That attitude starts to come all over you. This is what happened to me when I was in this wheelchair. That attitude started to come all over me like a rash. I started to get mad at what the devil was doing. You know, and I had a plan. You know, in three months' time, I I was part of the church youth group. They were going to climb a mountain. And... uh, you know, we just climbed Table Mountain in Cape Town. It was awesome, right? But we, we, we were going to climb a mountain. And, 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 and I'd already paid my deposit to go on that trip. And at 18 years old, when you put money down, you got skin in the game. I mean, I'm just saying, right? I mean, my heart had moved. It was there. There's like, ah, I'm going on that trip. I'm not losing my deposit. And they were saying, you're crazy. You can't even walk. How are you going to climb the mountain? I said, that is besides the point. 
I'm climbing the mountain. I have a picture of a mountain on the inside of me, and there is nothing that is going to get between me and my victory. So book my ticket, take my deposit, because I am going there. Amen? God is making a way where there seems to be none. So I sat in my house. My parents were out. I sat in my house in my wheelchair, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know a lot about a lot of stuff, but I know that this is not from you. How is this going to work? How do we go, because, I mean, how do I go from being in a wheelchair to climbing a mountain? I understand that there has to be a process in there. Show me. I don't know how to do this. I don't have a coach. I don't have anyone to show me. I don't have a pastor that's going to lay hands on me. I don't have anyone. It's me and you, Jesus. Right? He says, I'm more than enough. I'm more than enough. If you have no one else in your life but you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. That's the truth. You have everything that you need. And so as I sat there, I started, I don't know if we're going to get to these. They were nice printed notes. But um, as I started sitting there in the wheelchair, I started thinking to myself, well, I'm logicking this out. I'm logicking this out, right? And I'm thinking, well, I guess if you want to walk, if you want to climb a mountain, the first step has to be standing. I mean, logically, right? You don't just get up and start leaping and, you know, running a marathon. You've got to, you know, the first, the first stage to, to into climbing is standing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to believe you for standing. Sounds pretty good. I'm going to believe you for standing. He says, okay, so this is what we do. We just need to speak to the legs, okay? So I, I, I put the brakes on the wheelchair. says, legs, no one's around for me to look stupid. No one's listening. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. I don't understand how this works. No one had ever taught me about the power of my words. This is just me and Jesus. But he says to me, just speak to, speak to your legs. Tell, tell them what to do. You know, you're bossy. You know, how to, you know how it works. <laughs> Girls are made bossy for a reason. I'm just saying, right? So he said, legs, this is what we're going to do today. We are going to stand. Nothing happened. I said, no, maybe you didn't listen to me the first time. I'm not going to quit. You understand the importance of that? I'm not going to quit. We are both going to be sitting here until we're standing. That's it. There is no way out of this. I have drawn the line in the sand, and I'm not moving. I'm, we are going to be standing today. So I started to push myself up. Sometimes, you know, you have to move in the direction of faith because faith has an attitude. In Matthew, it says, the violent take it by force. You see, you might not have expected this kind of message when you came today, Right? But we are violent on the inside of us for a reason. There is an anger, a holy dissatisfaction that is put on the inside of us for a reason. It's to use against the enemy, not your husband (laughs) or anyone else, okay? You've got to contain that thing. It's dangerous, okay? In the wrong hand, like dynamite, (laughs) okay? But we, we, we need to get angry about the things that the enemy is trying to bring against us. He's trying to do it in our life. And this attitude means, means to stand against, to actively resist. James 4, 7 actually says, Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. What most Christians do is they submit themselves to God, and then when it comes to resisting the enemy, they're like, Oh, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Can someone else resist him for me? No! No, they can't. You need to resist him, right? And resist doesn't mean just lay in your bed and, and just think, oh, poor me, right? Come and, come and mop my fevered brow. Resist means getting up out of the bed and, and active. That word resist 
It means to actively stand against, to not be moved. You understand that? Even when it doesn't look like it's going to work out, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it still hurts on the inside, even when your emotions tell you otherwise, resisting, part of resisting is standing on the Word of God until we are rooted and planted in it, until we refuse to move, until this Word becomes so real to us that we don't, we don't give a rip what the outside it looks like. Okay? It doesn't matter if nothing changes in the natural. We have the Word of God on the inside of us. And that is our victory. And so when I, when I spoke to my legs, I was standing in, in here. I was standing on the inside. And very slowly, as I started to push my hands up on the chair, I realized that I was standing. And, you know, I let go one hand, and then I let go of the other hand. I'm like, woo! We are standing. Amen? We are standing. I know, you know what lots of people do when they are going through a challenge, when they first start to stand and resist the pressure that's against them, and they first start speaking the word of God into their situation, they get disappointed because it looks like nothing changes. Then they start to get this kind of attitude, right? They start to get the dis- disappointed kind of attitude. Man, we're never going to win with that kind of attitude. The winning kind of attitude is the attitude on the inside that starts to, to, starts to focus and acknowledge everything that is good, everything that is right, everything that God has created us to be. Amen? And it starts to confess everything that is good, everything that is right. So what I did in that moment, what, what, what I could have been tempted to do was thinking, this is so hard. It's taken me so long just to stand up. Man, it's going to take me forever to climb a mountain. I might as well just sit down here and have a little rest and try again tomorrow. And we, and we quit, right? We start settling for abundant life rather than more than abundant life. Amen? Sometimes we deal with stuff in our life just because we've come to that place of settling. God doesn't want you ladies to settle today. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. He has passion for you. Amen? He wants you to be everything that he has called you to be. Amen? And it doesn't matter where you started. It's where you're going that matters. Amen? It doesn't matter that, you know, where, 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 you're, where you're born, where your family's like. It doesn't matter where you began. Your end is going to be way more glorious than your beginning. And so as I stood there, I started to have a little praise party all by myself. I'm like, whoo! Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'm a standing queen. I'm standing all by myself, right? No one's here. I'm just praising God. Power of God's working in my body. I'm standing. I haven't stood in months, but I'm standing, right? I started to give God thanks for what he was doing in my body. Man, if only we would start to give God thanks and give God glory for the smallest change, the smallest change, the smallest move, amen? The smallest of miracles. You know what happens? Snowball effect. Starts to gather. It starts to gather momentum. And so as I'm standing there, having my own little private praise party, I'm like, whoa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Next challenge, right? Next challenge. What's next, Jesus? What's next, Jesus? He's like, you don't need to have faith to believe to walk. You just need to have faith to move an inch, to move one, one inch. That's all you need. That's all you need. You know, sometimes we look at other people, we start to compare ourselves among ourselves, and the Bible says that's not wise. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not wise to compare yourself amongst yourself. A masterpiece is an original, right? Amen? You're your original. Your walk of faith will not look the same as somebody else's. It's true. Let God, you know, from our relationship with God, He will guide you. He will lead you. He will show you what your faith looks like. 
Amen? And it might look different from somebody else's. But we need to start with our faith where we're at. We have the faith of Jesus on the inside of us. That's more than enough faith to raise the dead, heal the sick, or cast out any devil in hell. Right? More than enough faith. How many of you have received Jesus in your heart? Right? That means you have the power of the kingdom of heaven living on the inside of you. Every single one of you, whether you, whether you look like it or not. More than enough power. More than enough. And so when I started to think about that, he says, you just got to believe me to move an inch. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. Right? Now, climbing the mountain today, maybe not so much. But I can do the inch. I can do the standing. I can do the inch. You know, it's amazing what happens when you win one victory. You just need to win one victory. Some of us in here have not won a victory in a long time. But you know what? We're going to start winning today. Amen. Amen. Because God created us to be winners. And he didn't create a loser yet, and he's not starting with you. So as I'm I'm, I'm there, okay, foot, left leg. This is what we're going to do. We're going to move one inch. One inch. I'm like, did anyone see that? No, because no one's here. But I just moved an inch. Woohoo! I can move an inch. Thank you, Jesus. I have inch walking faith on the inside of me. Right? Amen? And then I'm like, well, if I've moved an inch, I could move another inch. So I started speaking to the other one. Foot, right foot. Now, listen up. You know what your, what your, what your partner did over here? We're going to do the same thing. It's just going to be exactly the same. What works for one is going to work for the other. What works for me is going to work for you. Amen? We're going to move an inch. We moved an inch. And then before you know it, I started moving steps. I started moving steps, moving steps. I got up out of the wheelchair and I started moving. And I found I'd walk like 10 feet to the, to, the, to the door of our house. And then I had a problem. Because when I looked back, the wheelchair was 10 feet away. <laughs> then I had a decision to make. What am I going to do from here? You see, oftentimes we start out in faith, but we need to keep moving. We need to keep moving. We need to keep growing. We need to keep going. And you know, sometimes it doesn't look pretty. You know, when I first started walking, it didn't look elegant. It wasn't like, oh, look at me, my little heels. This is what Chipo does. But it didn't look pretty. Okay, it didn't look nice. It looked more like, right? That's me walking in heels. That's why I have the words you say. I tried. Okay, it was it was it was pitiful told you I'm not very girl. But you know, when we start walking in faith, it's not comfortable. It, you know, the world doesn't necessarily understand it. Why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? Why, why are you telling me to stop speaking negative? Why am I saying, why in, in the face of a negative report, are you speaking positive about it when I can't see anything changed yet? They're not going to understand you necessarily. It doesn't necessarily look pretty when you start, but we have to keep going. We need to keep going and don't quit because we win if we don't quit. So I opened the front door and I remembered, I'm not moving back, by the way. I'm not going back to the wheelchair. I'm not going back there. You see, that is not part of my identity. That's something that happened, but it is not defining me or my future. It is not going to be me from here on out. And so as I stood there, I opened the front door. I swung it wide open and I realized that my friends were two miles away. They were, I don't know, how, what is that, four kilometers? I don't know. What is that? Anyway, it's a long way away. Convert, right? And blunt, Okay. And, and I started remembering they're playing a tennis at the community tennis schools. And I'm like, well, you know what? I couldn't walk a minute ago. I'm going to go play tennis. Why not? Why not? So I just kept walking. I think they, my neighbors must have thought I was drunk or something, just staggering down the street. You know, it wasn't pretty. But two miles later, two miles later, I arrived at the tennis school. And my friend said to me, what do you think you're doing? I'm like, I'm playing tennis. They said, you can't walk. I said, don't wake me up. Right? 
I mean, I wasn't the best kind of tennis that I'd ever played, but you know what, not bad for one person that was paralyzed, a, you know, a couple of hours earlier, and then three months later, I climbed the mountain. Amen? Amen. But our victory, our victory begins in here. And I know we've got like no seconds left, okay? And there was so much, but it will be good. We'll have another session. Your victory belongs on, it begins on the inside of you. You know, we're not trying to get the victory. We have the victory in Christ. Amen. When we start to recognize and place more value on the word of God and what he said about us and let him define us, we'll start to speak the victory out of our mouth. That's the first stage to walking in an attitude of the kingdom. Amen. We walk